Welcome to the Ryan and Nate's Business Podcast. Come listen to these two blue-collar business guys. Nate, your go-to automotive repairer, and Ryan, your local heating and air contractor, talk about business, how to help you, and hear stories from our local unsung heroes. Community matters to them, and so does a healthy business. Here's Ryan and Nate. Sweet. So today we're going to talk about a little bit about everything, a little bit about marketing, a little bit about books we're reading, a little bit about what we do to pour into ourselves. I don't know how to word this, but I would say I think that's what makes us really good leaders is that we operate out of an overflow instead of pouring out in other people all the time. Mm-hmm. To operate out of an overflow, you have to massively pour into yourself, like on a whole other level. Yeah. And like you say, Nate, the business is a reflection of the owner. And both of our businesses, we really try to pour into ourselves. So the reflection that we have to pour out in others is unmatched by a lot of people in our trade. Right, because how many Agree. people in our industries, just the service industries, the owners are so worn out and so like I can't do this. Yeah. Also, they are in a place where just by the nature of things, when you're in a smaller company, even if you're a great leader, you just you can't be good at everything. Yep. And so, bigger the company is, the wiser the leader is to partner with people that fill in the gaps where his weaknesses are, makes it for a better company. But I think the small company has its advantages, but one of the disadvantages is it's a small company. Yep. And so, it's even more pertinent for the leader to pour it into himself in a crazy, awesome, full way so that he has a lot to overflow into his team. Yeah, you made a good point. You don't have to do everything. Like, literally, I've been in business six, seven years. Until this year, and this is the first summer that I spent working in the office. Yeah, you don't do shit, dude. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. (laughs) I'm just kidding. No, you're you're one of the hardest working people I know, honestly. But when I say working in the office, like, I do my office job every day. Like, I don't really go in the field. Oh, by the way, all of my tools got stolen. Every single one. I heard this rumor. Yeah, it was rough watching it. I saw... The neighbor got it on video yesterday. Ah. But every single tool I own is now gone. So, like, emotionally, you come and you see your empty truck and bust it open. But Mm -hmm. then you watch the video of someone doing it. And then it hits. There's a lot of things that, like, they'll come and they'll happen and be like, face value, that sucks. What am I going to do about it? No ways to spend emotional energy on that. Mm -hmm. And that's how I felt about my tools being stolen. Like, Gil called me while I was on vacation. And then I came back and I was like, yeah, whatever. And then it's like, you watch the video and you're like, oh, man. Uh. Because it's, yeah, it's not just about the money, right? You have insurance, you're good. No, the insurance gave me the middle finger on the tools, so. What? Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Talk about that for a second. Yeah. Like, this has never happened before, so there's got to be some sort of insurance for this. Is there an adjustment you need to make to your coverage? (laughs) I don't know if it's an adjustment. I really don't know what the deals were. I remember reading the emails and saying, oh, it looks, sounds like I'm not getting new tools. I think my premium would have went up because I have so many little claims all the time. Okay. Because we have 16 vans on the road, so it's like yeah, people are dinging them up left and right all the time. Right. But we are putting the vehicle under insurance to get it fixed. Okay. So okay. That's not going to affect anything. Yeah. 
What was I on the point before my tools? I know we're on like so many different points, but you said that you've were working in the office, you were doing a bunch of things, and then you remembered that your tools got stolen. Correct. The day to days of the office, I've really let the ladies have full autonomy over that. Even if we've gotten new people in the office or in my career, I've gone through three office managers. But anytime a new office manager comes on, I'm just like, yeah, do what you want. But mm -hmm. this was the first summer I was like, what do you do? And I learned mostly everything, not everything, but a lot. And a lot of the things that I'm like, why is this is so redundant? Why are we doing this? I can't get around it. We have to do the redundant task. Yeah. So I realized how challenging their job can be, how redundant it could be. And then, you know, I'm not good at everything is kind of what the original point was. I'm definitely not good in the office because I just can't handle redundancy. But I appreciate the people that we have that can be redundant. Yeah. You're in your office. I've heard you wisely describe this before as that you spend your time thinking about four, six months from now. Correct. Whereas your team that you've hired, you have paid them to think about today, what's going on today. Yep. And you would rather spend most of your time in a different quadrant. Mm -hmm. I should say rather. You need to spend more of your time in that four to six months from now time. But you're saying you came out of that office and you lived in the moment for a little while to see what they were dealing with. Yeah. That's huge, man. That's really good. And then heating and air, you, the moment is when it's 90 degrees outside because outside of that, nothing really matters. Yeah. You, I mean, you told me you were answering the phones. So you're doing it all. Uh, dude, I got a good phone voice. Hello, yeah. this is Ryan. <laughs> but to your point about being six months down the road, yesterday I called our vendor that supplies all of our equipment and I said, I'm going to just have to move on from you. This isn't working. And we signed a massive deal. You told me about that deal. Yeah. They gave you stuff that they didn't give anybody else. Correct. And I had the regional manager that I never get to talk to call me right away. <laughs> and she was like, what's going on? And I was like, hey, I'm just looking six months down the road. And I see six months from now, this isn't going to work. And it was just that simple. And she was like, well, what can we do? And I said, I said, there's nothing broken right now. Like in this moment, there's nothing broken. But when we're hot and heavy six months from now, I mean, it's going to be terrible. And this is what needs to change. And she said, okay, well, if you can do this, I'll, I'll get the change made. And I was like, okay, good. What, what was the sticking point for you? Was it like delivery time or something? Or? It was our credit limit. Okay. So we'll just put round number of fake numbers out there, but $1,000 a month is what we need from them. Obviously, it's way more than that. They had us at $500 a month. But the problem is, is I buy $1,200 a month of material. So none of my invoices are over 30 days old. So I have to pay my invoices sooner than everyone else does because I buy more. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Instead of being able to pay off that vendor once a month, you got to keep a shorter account. Yeah. I got to pay them two, three times a month. Which is almost more difficult than just paying as you go. Yes. Exactly. So a nightmare to keep track of. Exactly. And then they're like, well, you keep falling behind. I'm like, well, you can't use the word falling behind. It's just I'm falling actually ahead of what you've got me limited to. And I told her, I said, Tab, are any of my invoices past 30 days? She said, no. Okay, that's the problem. And that's what we're looking at six months down the road is when I'm spending all this money in marketing and then I have the Lennox demanding money and the guys are at the part house and Lennox says, hey, we can't give you the equipment because your bill's not up to date. That looks bad on me mm -hmm. in front of the guys. And then second, the bill's not past 30 days. If I was past 30 days on my bills, that'd be different. Mm -hmm. But I've always had a really good relationship with all my vendors. But I did read a accounting book recently, and she is for the service industry. 
Ruth King is her name, and she was like, you don't pay vendors until they ask you for payment. Other than like your main one, which for me is Linux, don't pay them until they ask. And I was like, oh, that is a good way to keep cash flow up. Because we have some vendors that we haven't paid in six months, but they're not asking for the money, so why am I giving it to them? Right? Like have that cash flow be higher so I can pour that money into marketing Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or, you know, the more money you have in the bank, the more you can play with, right? I don't even consider vendors debt, do you? I think I do. Okay. Yeah. So then I would say you're leveraging debt to make yourself go forward. Yeah, yeah. To me, debt is more like any loans to bank, vehicle loans, vendor stuff. It's like we purchase it, we buy it, we use it right away. Right. I don't know. But I guess the way I would think about it is I have vendors that, I, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars of different vendors through the month for automotive and it's a much smaller tickets right mm-hmm. you know, buy an engine that's a big ticket compared mm-hmm. to hvac they're smaller it's a lot to keep track of it could be a bolt it could be a set of brake pads but it could be an engine or some computer that's really super expensive so they range but yeah when it goes on a car when it goes on someone's car and it leaves it's important for me not to think about that as my money that's in my account because correct i gotta pay them at some mm-hmm. point but that money, it's not like marketing. So like marketing, like the radio, we owe the radio some money right now. That's what we're talking about before we got in here. The radio, I consider debt mm-hmm. because we owe them a little bit of money, but it's like there's nothing coming from that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like if I buy an air conditioner, I know I'm installing it to make money. So debt, I let linger over me. Uh, I guess good debt, I don't let linger over me. And I view like parts and supplies as good debt. Okay. Yeah. The other thing that I would say, the other question I would ask is when you don't pay the vendor until they ask, Mm -hmm. does that create stress in the relationship or are they like, they don't care? It's like a small enough amount that they're just like, here's the invoice. They just hadn't gotten around to getting it to you. Mm -hmm. Or is it an agreement that you're not meeting when you let it go? Yeah. Because the parts and supplies is so little, Mm -hmm. you know, for example, Ari Michaels for the year. We have like 20,000 in parts and supplies, and they still are not asking for money. Okay. There's not a tension in that relationship. Oh, you know how much money they got? More money than me. I get that. The reason why I ask is because I do, I think this is a principle that... To your point, you are correct. If you don't pay and it's causing stress on the relationship, then that's a problem. But if you don't have to pay and it's not causing stress, I think that's a win-win for everybody because they're not stressed about it. Sure. Yeah. Well, it's really their laziness or their bad systems that haven't pinged you with the bill yet. Let's leverage that to move the company forward. Yeah, I get that. But it feeds into another concept that it's slightly different, but I think lots of small businesses spend a ton of time thinking about, rightly so, how do I create good service and experience for my clients? Mm-hmm. Not enough businesses think about how can I create a good win-win for my vendors? Mm. So I've found that I get better deals, faster service. Mm-hmm. There's more grease on the gears. I don't know how to say it. It's just faster and smoother with certain vendors when I've done things, paying on time is one of those things when they've asked. But another thing is like, I have had people come out of the woodworks going bonkers when I'm like, hey, I'm in the area. Can I visit the warehouse and see you guys? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of my relationships with these vendors are, I know their voices maybe from talking to them on the phone, Mm -hmm. never met them in person. That scenario you just mentioned drives me mad when you've raised your hand and said, hey, there's a problem. And then all of a sudden the sales rep that you've never met, that's Mm -hmm. never 
ever talked to you is like, well, what's going on? It's like, well, where were you when things were going great? Yeah, yeah. Why didn't you ask me? But if I've gone out of my way and reached out to them and said, hey, I'm just curious, like, can I see the warehouse? Like how mm-hmm. it works? And I've done that a couple of times with different vendors. And I show up and I realize like they're nervous and they're clamoring and they're trying to figure out. <laughs> they're like, oh my gosh. Like I went one time and like they had invited a sales rep from one of the manufacturers to come and meet me. The boss was there. And I was like, I just wanted to walk around and see the conveyor belts. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's cool. But they were like, took me out to lunch. Mm-hmm. It was like, Oh, and all of a sudden I start getting a slightly better margin on Mm -hmm. a couple, 2% when you're spending 30 grand with a vendor over the course of a month. Right. That adds up quick. Mm -hmm. Right. And so keeping them happy, spending a similar amount of time as I think about spending time with a client, hearing about how they're doing, hearing about their kids and all that stuff, getting to know them. You do that with a vendor too. On the other side of it, it's the other side of the equation. Spending some time there is, is valuable. Yeah. One thing that kills me is Berman at Johnstone is the best rep we've ever dealt with in our life. In other areas, how you purchase Goodman equipment is through Johnstone. That's a lot of different states they do that. But in Maryland, you can buy Goodman directly from Goodman. And Johnstone cannot sell lower than Goodman's direct you know, sale. Got it. But the relationship is so good with him. I mean, the girls go to, like, went to his baby showers, like his wife's baby shower. That's how, like, solid it is. Yeah, that stuff matters, man. That's the non-tangible stuff. What I want to do is when we grow and, and have other things, I would love to bring actually Berman on board at Beltway at some capacity, at some level. I've talked to him about like what he wants and what's important to him, and I think I can make that fit once we get bigger. Okay. So. No, that's another good point. That happens in automotive, too. It's like, I hear people say, like, how do you find a good service writer? It's like, hire one of your parts guys. Yeah. They know the industry. Mm -hmm. They're good with people. They're spending time on the phone. Sometimes they're way better than technical. They might not know how to change the part, Mm -hmm. but they don't need to to service right. Correct. And communicate with people well. Yeah. They know how to manage massive things. Like, they could be potentially some of your best hires is going to your vendor. What I was going to ask Berman, which is he's the GM at the part house up here. We have a helper that we just um, hired. And Gil had the good idea of bringing the helper to the supply house and say, these are all the parts. Instead of like us trying to fumble our way through some parts and parts we have and don't have, like, let's just go to the part house. Yeah. I spent four hours with the kid just being like, this is an elbow. This is a 45. This is a three quarter elbow, you know? Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. And I was like, let's tell Berman to have him move boxes for two hours. But then in exchange, Berman tells him all the different parts and supplies that he has. Yeah. That's a great idea. Just kind of leverage that relationship for training as well. Thank you for that. I'm going to like write that down because that's a really good idea because that lines up, you know, me visiting the vendor does one thing, but if I'm saying, Hey, I need your help, but like you get to show your stuff off at the same time. Mm -hmm. Most of them, that concept, he's probably overjoyed to do that. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yep. He never has anyone ask him for that. People are calling him when they need something. That's it. And that's the hardest thing because we train so many young techs and they come in and sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. And it's a journey. Like I definitely recommend building people from the ground up. Always. But it is hard. It takes a long time. It is so hard. And it's, it takes so much time and energy. And then the kid looks great. My dad calls them cheap racehorses. They're fast moving around the track, but then they slow down. Or sorry, they're fast coming out of the gate, but they slow down moving around the track. I like your dad's wisdom. Yeah. He's good. That's a lot of what the helpers are. You know, they don't know anything. The only thing they have to do is show up on time. Like that's their bar. Yeah. You know, 
So over time, it gets a little bit different. Well, you're communicating to that helper that you don't just want to get something out of them, that you're investing in them. They might not be able to put words to it like that, but that young guy has to feel that. Like they care that I understand this stuff and they want me to understand. Yeah, and to the point of pouring into yourself, I feel like the industry doesn't have a lot of guys that are pouring into themselves. What are you doing to make your life happier? Mm -hmm. What are you doing to make yourself a better man? What are you doing with your relationship with God? What are you doing with your relationship with your wife, your kids, and your family? Because a lot of times people's God is their business. And they'll serve it Mm -hmm. just the same way that we serve our God. Yeah, And the natural slide, I think maybe uniquely, someone could debate me on this point, but because I live in the service industry, but uniquely in the service industry, small business, we've all seen that haggard business owner in any kind of service industry because he's not pouring into himself. The Mm -hmm. nature of his business or her business is the people are taking, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're serving. That's the Mm -hmm. nature of the business. And so people call you when they have a problem and it feels like a withdrawal every single time. Mm -hmm. If you're not depositing, no one else is going to deposit into you. Correct. And if you're not depositing, you got nothing left for the clients or the employees. Like there's just too many withdrawals happening. Right. All over the place. We've all had that experience in our own bank account when it's like you go through a season of life and you're like, my goodness, there's just so many bills and it's all coming out. Well, it makes it a lot easier when you got that monthly massive check going in. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have that, yeah, then it just feels like, wow, this sucks. Yeah. And we're not going to get away from the feeling of, wow, this sucks. Nope. But we're not going to let it eat away at us either. Because if you treat your business as your God, when your business isn't doing well, then your God's not doing well. And then you're going to start to spiral and plummet and fall and pick up a bottle or a pill. And then it's all downhill from there. Try to escape. So you mentioned a couple like big things. What do you feel like you do? Feel like top five or something things to pour into yourself that you do? Yeah. Church, God is number one. Sunday, every single Sunday there. Being very intentional about family time. Hmm. Phone primarily for the most part, nine out of 10 days is going down when I get home. Hmm. I try to really pour into that. I tried to turn it off as much as I can. And I actually would say the second point, not in the cell phone with family, but I think it's setting good boundaries. I feel like a lot of young business owners have tough times setting boundaries. Hey, I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. You're talking about time boundaries, basically? Yeah. Yep. Setting good time boundaries for your family to be able to spend time with them. Yeah. I've watched you like being able to work with you up close over this last year or so. You do a really good job at saying like work starts here and ends here. Mm -hmm. I know you're really present with your family. That's huge. Most people can't do that. Yeah. Being an owner, you don't always have that luxury. I'm not going to say it's perfect. Right. But for the most part, I think I'm doing better than most. Yeah. Well, when you're home most days at five or six o'clock, that's Mm -hmm. pretty darn good, man, for a a business owner. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. speaks volumes to your family. Yeah. You know, I think that's another thing. That's what I learned at a conference once. The guy was like, I get at the office at this time and I leave the office at this time every single day. When I'm in the office, I give 150% and the office gets me. But when I'm out of the office, that's when my family gets me. Mm -hmm. And really having that mindset of it's turned off. Mm -hmm. In our family, we call it the drawer, like a chest of drawers. Like Mm -hmm. I open up the drawer for work. 
Mm-hmm. And after work, I close the drawer and then I open up the family drawer. Mm-hmm. Like there's different drawers. As men, we compartmentalize that stuff too. Like yeah. women's brains typically walk in closet, <laughs> work more in conjunction, and men's is a separate box. Is drawers, you know. So yep. I think having external resources help a lot. So I would say number three would be reading books. Reading books is another big one. I read probably at least one book a month. Maybe this year it's been every other month. I've been slowing mm-hmm. down a little bit this year, mm-hmm. but every single month I listen to an audiobook. I'm being fed from an external source. And if I remember right, walking in on you while you're listening to these things, you never listen to them on regular speed. No. No. I'm going to jam it in there. I'm jamming it in there. I listen to twice the speed if it's a really good book. Twice? Yes. Can you even hear the type of voice they have at that point? Are they sound like the chipmunks? Yeah. You get used to it. You get used to it. (laughs) You definitely get used to it. But if it's a really good book, and a lot of times I read twice the speed just to see if it's a good book or not, you know, because when you're kind of whoring through books, I mean... That's why I have my physical book and I read the last chapter. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. Dang, dude. You love them spoilers, dude. I guess that's fiction. That works for fiction. That's crazy. That's like eating the steak after the potatoes. Yeah. What do you eat with your steak? Steak. Steak and what? I like asparagus, dude. Asparagus? Yeah. Wrapped in bacon, dude? Get out of here. Yeah. Why not have bacon with your steak? Yeah. A little steak and bacon? Yeah. Bacon wrap steak? Bacon wrap steak. Yeah. Yeah. Last time I had that was with our buddy Ryan Blaylock. Yeah. He's a good cook. Yeah. Yeah, he knows how to host some stuff up. He's just got a good setup, very generous guy. So reading a lot of books, having a lot of external influence. I go to people outside of this industry for help. I go for you. I fly out to the Wizard Academy next week to learn from those guys. I've been traveling the country recently, visiting shops that are way bigger than us and learning from them because I think that's what gives me the edge on my people because because I overflow into them all the time. They know what I'm learning. They get the benefit of Mm -hmm. my knowledge. And in a humble way saying that, like they get the benefit of my work of trying to get the knowledge. So I got to come up with something new. And how do I do that? You go to places that no one else is going. Right. That they might not have access to or they might not know. Not that it's a secret. And then I would say the last thing is um, no one to take quiet time and no one to take a break. Yesterday, I got overwhelmed. I did a little Nate Wiggly walk around. (laughs) You know, that's something that you did a really good job installing in the office too is having them take a pace and say, we're going to go for a walk. Now, sure, we can go out there. They said they're going to do 20 miles by X amount of time. I don't know how well that <laughs> one's going, but they do get up and walk, and that's what I did yesterday. A little quiet time. Left my cell phone here. Just take a walk around the block. There's a bunch of brain science that I, I'm not even going to try to communicate because I'll probably just be a hack about it, but not communicate it well. But there's a lot of brain science about just walking. So what are the five things that you do to pour into yourself? Similar to you. So... You mentioned church first. I agree with that. I'm there every single Sunday. I'm sure you would agree with this too. The other piece of the church community that we have are specifically the men that I get to hang out with. So yeah, Sunday is like everyone, but then there's other times during the month where we'll meet with men. I got a group that I meet with you know, some mornings. We call it the hot tub soak, where mm-hmm. it was like four of us that will meet early morning before work, just talk about life. And through those relationships, you know, like 20 plus guys 
Some of them are business owners. I get information, knowledge from them about business. But more than that, it's just about life. And so like super encouraged. As I get older, I realize how rare that is. Having other men in your, like most men in the U.S. are like islands. They don't have friends. They don't have people. You know, the deepest conversation they have is about fantasy football. Mm-hmm. I know that started this week for you. I know it's a big deal. <laughs> are you out this year? You're not doing it? You said fantasy football and I got so excited because I was like, no. And I remembered you don't watch football that much. I have no clue, but I did watch the game. I should say I watched at least eight minutes of the game this past Sunday. I was pretty proud of myself. Yeah? Yeah. I was at the game this Sunday screaming, oh, yeah, hon, get (laughs) him. But most men don't have anything else to talk about besides Mm -hmm. that. So for me, I just hang out with men. I pour into them, and they pour back into me. Somehow I get more out of it, I feel like. Can't operate out on overflow if you're not getting poured into. Yep. That iron sharpens iron thing. For sure. It says that in the book somewhere. So setting boundaries is important. You mentioned that. And then what you use those boundaries for. Mm. Setting the boundaries are a given, but what I use the boundaries for is I go mountain biking a lot. Mm -hmm. I broke my collarbone (laughs) recently doing it, which is a little bit of a hiccup in the whole plan. But for me, that gives me life. People ask me like, you're getting old. Are you going to keep riding your bike? And I'm like, hell yeah, I'm going to keep riding my bike. It makes me... You are getting old, man. I am, 43. Yeah. I don't bounce as as well when I hit the ground, evidently. It's the first time I broke a bone. But it gives me life to do it. So, like, when I need to think about something, I oftentimes will just go for a bike ride. It might be an hour. It might be three hours. It could be, you know, a few miles. It could be 30 miles. But I just get myself... I'm doing something physical for me. And sometimes it's with someone. Sometimes it's totally by myself. Unfortunately, when I broke my collarbone, I was by myself. Mm. That was a little difficult to get out. So doing something like a hobby like that is really important to me. I'm an extrovert. Mm-hmm. Over the last like two or three years, I've seen the value also once a year going away. Oh, introverting. Going away by myself oh, and yeah. being an introvert. Yeah. Mm. I thought I was going to go mad doing it. And so like I went out in the woods, camped all by myself one year went out in a cabin on another year just by myself with like and when i say a cabin it was like a 10 by 10 block building on top of the mountain in west virginia yeah it had nothing it was awesome no toilet yeah it was just awesome was the bed comfy no Mm. i had a sleeping bag on a cot that was great because it was like a bunk bed Mm -hmm. even though i was all there by myself it was 15 degrees outside Mm -hmm. so made a fire, did all that stuff. I mean, it's like when I'm out in the woods, there's just simple things. It's like, am I warm? Do I have mm-hmm. a fire? And what is it going to take for me to eat? Mm-hmm. And that's about all my brain has to do. Mm. And then I usually take a couple of books, a journal, and that's the way I pour into myself, get away. And that's another thing I find when I talk to some other people. It's like, there's some guys, men, women, the idea of being by themselves scares them to death. Yeah. Because they can't be okay with your own brain, your own thoughts. So I'm not saying it's easy for me, but it's a good thing I try to do once a year. And then spending time with my family, it's like the thing, I set the boundaries in place so that I can have that time. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to be there. I want to pick my daughter up from school, be it to as many events as I can for my kids, mm-hmm. regularly go on dates with my wife, take her away a couple times a year, those kind of things. Just spending time. I mean, if we're doing these businesses or we're creating these things, mm-hmm. why do it if your family falls apart? Preaching to the choir. Yeah. You know? And why do it if you don't reap the benefits of what the business can give you? Right. Which is additional time off. And with that time off, you have the money to do what you want. Right. But you are selling a good chunk of your life and stress and everything away to do that. You have to make business ownership worth it. 
Yep, that's good. And then the books, just any kind of influence that I can get. I listen to a ton of podcasts. Mm-hmm. I try to have like a business book and then a fiction book too. I find that's good for my brain. Mm-hmm. I think being able to communicate stories, it's just a good story. Just being able to tell a good story and hear a good story helps me in some way. I don't really know how. I just think it helps me somehow. It might help with the bottom line in some way. I'm not sure, but just reading a good fiction book. Right now I'm reading a Neil Gaiman book called American Gods. And I'm reading a Donald Miller book, Hero on a Mission. That's what I'm doing now. Those are your things? Yep. That's what I like is, well, this was unprompted, and you asked for five, and each one of us were able to, like, spit off five. I bet you we could probably spit off 10 to 15. Sure. You know, it's really not that hard. We're at 32 minutes, so we should probably wrap it up. So that's why I said five. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it just goes to show, make business ownership worth it. Yeah. Pour into yourself. If you can't be alone, figure that out. Yeah. Right? Once you figure out, I can be alone with myself, take some time away. To yourself because I think that's very valuable. I accidentally did that this year. Did you get lost? What did you do? <laughs> well, I took a trip to visit one of these companies in Virginia. Right. I was meeting a couple people and one of the guys canceled on me. Okay. It's Virginia Beach. Okay. So I walked into Sensations. I bought a $10 towel. I put my cell phone in the car and I just walked and laid on the beach for like four hours. It's great. Yeah. I processed a lot of things and I was like, wow, this is really cool. So that yeah. solitude time. Yeah. There's definitely been times in my life I couldn't sit with myself, you know, whatever. So figure that out. If you can't take some time in solitude, I think is helpful and make business ownership worth it. I think that's a good takeaway from this podcast. And I realize how finding someone that compliments you well, like we couldn't be any more opposite. Mm -hmm. I went to a cabin in the woods for 15 degrees and that was fun. Yeah. And you went to the Sensations Beach. (laughs) (laughs) This is why we work together, man. It's like, you know. Sensations is the Montreal store at every single beach where you like you buy towels and the shorts and the... I never even heard of it. I heart, whatever beach I'm at. Do you go to the beach that often? I do, but I'm I typically so my favorite beaches are like Outer Banks where there's like no one around. I can drive a truck up onto the sand. Mm-hmm. Panama City was great. All right, you ain't going down to the ocean, huh? No, no, no. All right, I'll take you down to the ocean one of these days. Let's do it. All right, man, that's a good one. I think. Yep. I think people get something out of that. So sounds good to me. <laughs> <laughs>